Good morning, everyone. Once again. All right, we are going to be back in Romans chapter 8 again. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. A little bit louder here. All right, Romans 8. Last time, where last week we talked about, um, we looked at uh, the map of salvation, is what I titled it. And we're going to continue with that idea this week. Uh, last week we began to look at the map of salvation and we talked about predestination and foreknowledge a good bit. We saw that salvation starts with God and ends with God. It is God's plan, it's God's plan from beginning to end. We saw that he predestined believers to, to be conformed to the image of Christ. He wants us to look like Christ. We talk about the Holy Spirit leads us to repentance. And we answered the question, or we attempted to answer the question, are we puppets on God's string? And the answer is no. We're not puppets on God's string. But we are responsible. We're responsible for our actions. And it's God who is sovereign, but we're responsible. We're responsible to repent and to believe. Man has that responsibility is to repent and believe. Just Jesus said, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. And this week, we're going to go a little further into this map. Uh, we're really taking our time on this map to get to our destination. Um, but we're going to be talking about the call. So turn your Bible or look at your Bible or Romans 8, and we'll read verses 29 and 30. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. So let's pray. Father, again, we just thank you for your word that's been read here this morning, both in Matthew and also in Romans. And we thank you for the songs that, and the hymns that we sang that point us to your word. Father, we thank you that you've given us your word. you revealed yourself in your word. And Father, we ask that you just magnify the word in our hearts today that we would see you and we would see Christ and we see that great redemptive work that you've done, that you've offered from beginning to end. And Father, we just thank you and we praise you and we honor you for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I believe it was uh, 
Spurgeon who said that God foreknew everyone, but he predestined some. Uh, I want to draw your attention today to that phrase on our map, and it's in verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. We want to look at the called, or them he also called this morning. Um, We talked a bit uh, last week about predestinate, and I want you to consider the next phrase, them he also called, the called. Uh, notice in verse uh, 28 up there, Romans 8:28, it says that, um, I don't have it here, but it talks about all things work together for good to them who are the called according to his purpose. And we notice that Paul used that word there, the called, and he's using those who are called. And those two words are really closely related in the Greek. Um, they, the first one denotes a group, a group of people, you know, the called verse 28 it's the called there's a group of people he's talking to and that's the sense that it is and it denotes someone who particip whose participation or presence is officially requested for something in other words god has officially wants our presence or wants us to personally show up, okay? And it goes on, it has a really strong sense that goes on further from there, and that is that the request is not optional. We can't refuse it. It's not optional to refuse it. Then in the second place, in verse 30, the sense of the called there, or the word called there, is a summons, or it's two summons, uh, and it's to authoritatively communicate a demand for the presence of participation. So there's a group that don't have much to do with not showing up, then there's the ones that are supposed to be there, they are there to participate. There's no option not to be there. In other words, when God calls, we don't have an option not to participate. We really don't. Uh, and I hope I can clear that up for you this morning. Because when I, when I say that, I get really, really close to uh, making you think that we're just puppets on God's string. And we're not. We're not puppets on God's string. So when he calls, there's something else going on besides us just being puppets on God's string. It's really... It is really hearing the voice of Jesus and following. 
But when you're called, it's just simply hearing that call, answering the call, or reacting on that inward pressure that you might feel. Just doing that. And we talked about this some last week. Uh, the same verses that we looked at last week also apply this week. Turning your Bible to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And it's just as simple as that. We hear the call and then we respond. We hear it and respond. John 10 verse 16 says, And other sheep I have, and that other sheep is us. So you know, it's us. Which are not of this fold. And that fold was here talking to Israel. He says, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. They shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Look down at verse 27. It says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So when God is dealing with you about salvation, there's that voice you hear. We like to say, God is just speaking to me, but the voice you hear come you may have oh, you may have seen that YouTube video on video on YouTube about these random people who are standing by this big pasture and there's a bunch of sheep out there and they're probably a couple hundred yards away and someone challenges those people to call the sheep and there's probably about 10 or 15 people there and everybody a lot of those people, just stand there and they start hollering at those sheep to come and they use all the things they they make the kissing sound with their lips and they clap their hand they do all kind of things and those sheep are over there grazing and they don't pay them one bit of money they don't even look in their direction but the shepherd as soon as he starts to call every one of those sheep look up and then when he calls again, they know which direction to go, and they come running. They run to them, to the shepherd. And that's what it is. When we hear that call of Jesus, when we hear the voice of Jesus in our heart, we come. We come. It's uh, another way to look at the same thing is this. Is it is the Holy Spirit leading us to repentance and faith. It's the Holy Spirit leading us. Turn back over to Romans 8, 14. We looked at these last week. Romans 8. Romans 8. Verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, coming to faith in Christ, you can say it's Jesus calling you, you're a sheep, and he's the shepherd, and you hear his voice. 
you know his voice and you follow him or you can say you know what it's the spirit that's in me and it's leading me to repentance and faith verse 16 of chapter 8 says the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It's as simple as the Father giving us to the Son. Turn back to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Coming to faith in Christ and turning to in repentance and faith is just as simple as the Father giving us to the Son. John 6, 37 says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. So I've tried to show you how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work in salvation. And it's, it's all the same thing as bringing us to repentance and faith. You might be thinking, do people really have the ability to refuse to come? Do they really have that ability? Maybe. But why did you come? Why did you come? Was it because of some spark of righteousness that you had? Or the goodness to recognize a good deal when you hear it? When you heard the plan of salvation? Was, your, was it your ability to say, oh man, that's a really good deal? The next question is, how were you able to understand the gospel? How were you able to understand? Look at Romans again. Romans chapter 3. What I'm, what I'm really taking you through is the struggle I went through. I'm trying to understand what's going on. Romans chapter 3. Verse 11 says, There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. So, when you think about that, in our last question, how are you able to understand the gospel? If, the, if no one understands, and there's no one that thinketh after God, how do they come? How do they come? It makes it really hard to make your pieces fit together, your puzzle pieces to fit together, if you defy that verse and say, well, I sought after God, 
or I understood before I came to faith in Christ makes it really hard to do that because the Bible says and we know that God's word is true you know that was another thing that I had to deal with it says it doesn't matter whether I'm saved or not God's word is true it doesn't matter whether you get to heaven or not God's word is true it's true it's the only truth that we have is God's word so when you understand that it makes it really hard to understand how to make all your pieces fit together and in my, in my mind if I can't make my pieces fit together it drives me crazy I have to have my pieces fit together who really do and I hope you're the same way that you got to have your pieces fit together so why did anyone come to salvation why did anyone come if no one seeks after God and no one understands why does anyone come it is because God foreknew he predestined and he called that's why anyone comes so then you have to conclude in your mind that all of that happened before you came to faith in Christ in fact it happened before the foundation of the world before the foundation of the world every believer's name was written in the book of life you have How does one know they have eternal life? How do you know if you have eternal life? Well, if we go back to the verse I just read, there is none that understandeth, and there is none that seeketh after God, answers that question. How do you know if you have understanding and you are seeking after God? Never turn on. We talked last night uh, at our missions dinner about the Lord's Supper and being worthy and unworthy of taking partaking in the Lord's Supper. If you're examining yourself and thinking you're unworthy to take, that really makes you worthy to take of it. Because you know you're fully dependent on the one those elements are representing the wine or the grape juice represents Christ's blood that was shed for you and the bread represents his body that was broken for your salvation so if you understand and you realize no I'm not worthy to participate in the Lord's Supper then you are it's funny how that works you have eternal life 
if you can hear and understand the gospel and believe. Now I've said a few times up here that I heard the gospel a thousand times before I heard it the first time. And that's the way it is. Some people hear it the first time and they repent and believe. And there's other people that are kind of dense like me have to hear it a thousand times before they repent and believe. You have eternal life if you use your new heart to follow the leading of the Spirit. And that's what it is. When you come to faith in Christ, it's because your heart has been regenerated. You know, in that passage in Ezekiel that says, I will take out the stony heart and give you a heart of flesh, a heart of understanding. That's what it is. When you use that new heart, and you use that new heart to follow the leading of the Spirit, to repent in this faith, you have eternal life. Regeneration. If you could put it on a timeline, it will come first. But when we experience, it seems like it all happens all at once. And it's hard. We, we want to put ourselves in front of all of it and say, well, I, I, I came and I believed. No. You've really got a new heart first, then you believe. Dr. Barnhouse puts it really well. He said, you have eternal life if you use it to hear his word and to believe on the Father who sent him or sent his son. Let me read it again. You have eternal life if you use it to hear his word and to believe on the Father who sent his Son. And he gives a really, really good illustration about that. He says if, you have, if you're on a battlefield and there's 10,000 soldiers out there lying down and they're all on the ground and some are dead and some are alive, and you just assume there's no wounded for this illustration, they're all laying down out there and it's hard to tell where the life is. But when the sound goes out, when the trumpet blows, says it's all clear and the battle's over, and they stand up, they didn't stand up and get life. They had life and they stood up. That makes sense. Got all these soldiers out there. They're all laying down because the bullets are, have been flying over their heads. But some of them are dead and some are alive. Did they stand up and then become alive? Or were they alive already and then stood up? Really, it was a really good illustration for me to understand what's going on salvation and that's what I do right now I ask that 
if you've never repented and believed, to do your responsibility. Because that is your responsibility, to repent and to believe the gospel. So let's stand and we'll pray. Father, again, we just thank you for the glorious gospel. That mighty work that you do, and that's to save people. Father, we think that if we just saw someone raised from the dead, or we saw someone who was crippled now walking, or we saw a blind person see, we might think that those are mighty works. But those are creative works that you do the mere sound of your voice. But that work of salvation is the work where your son came and died for sinners. Willingly and openly. Father, we thank you and we praise you for that. And Father, we ask that you just magnify that glorious work that you've done in our hearts today. And magnify it so big that we can't contain it in our hearts, but that we share it with others. Father, we just thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So please remain standing for our last song.